Welcome to Barbell Vitality Radio. I'm your host, Brent Ruska, personal trainer, yogi, and Muay Thai enthusiast. Each episode, we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock strength and vitality in your life. What's up, guys? Welcome to episode three. On today's episode, we talk with Dr. Andrew Simon, who was voted Seattle Met Top Doc 2017, 2018, and 2019 for naturopathic medicine. He shares with us today how to best navigate your health during this COVID-19 pandemic. Please stay tuned all the way to the end as there's so much incredibly valuable information in this, and I hope it leaves you feeling very empowered. And at the end of the episode, I'm going to share with you five areas I want you to focus on setting goals and intentions around. These five areas I feel will help you really feel empowered with keeping momentum going with your health, mind, and body. Uh, I look forward to sharing this information with you. And make sure you get out a notebook. This is going to be an incredible episode, and I'm very excited to share it with you. Let's go. Hey, guys. We're here with Dr. Andrew Simon, and we're going to weigh in on the coronavirus. Thanks for coming, Andrew. Yeah, no problem. So I wanted to kind of first uh, give everybody some good information on what is the coronavirus, how is it different than regular viruses, and how does it affect the immune system and the body differently? Well, I think one of the simplest things without getting into the nuance of the the kind of virus it is, is that it's a what's referred to as a novel coronavirus. So we've seen coronaviruses before, you know, we, get, um, we interact with them pretty frequently you know you can recall some of the past history recently with SARS and other examples of different types of viruses that you know eventually could move into more extreme pandemics the interesting scenario here is that um, again you know what's referred to as a novel coronavirus is something that we've not seen before our bodies interacted with so there's really no base immunity no base uh, recognition of it so the important part of that is then um, really anybody is susceptible to it and we don't really have any really clear forms of treatments, uh, vaccines, um, you know, antivirals, uh, you know, a lot of that's, a lot of that work is being investigated right now. And so with me as a physician, you know, I'm, you know, daily looking at the latest research to determine how best I can intervene from a primary care physician level once that data kind of filters down to the primary care level. So, you know, the, one of the values of in this stay at home order and kind of helping mitigate the, the spread of the virus is that um, time takes place for the people that, you know, not me, I'm not a viral researcher, I'm not an um, epidemiologist, I'm a primary care physician. So, you know, I'm waiting for that data to come through so I can then, you know, support my patients in you know, their return to work, their return to daily life, their return to daily activities as best as possible. Now, the challenge with this virus is that it may not happen right away, you know, um, they're roughly estimating that, you know, we will need to make some major significant changes towards, you know, social distancing, physical distancing for you know, upwards of almost two years. And the important part of that is so that way we continue to, you know, not overload our hospital system, but yet, you know, kind of minimize, uh, you know, risk and casualties to those that are more in the vulnerable populations. Um, typically people that have, you know, compromised immune systems, um, you know, maybe one, two, or three different comorbidities, um, the ones that you see in the news commonly, you know, diabetes, cardiovascular issues, underlying respiratory issues. And one of the challenging aspects of that, too, is that even when someone maybe, you know, clears the coronavirus, maybe they were, they, they, they contracted it and, 
you know, had a pretty gnarly, you know, upper respiratory or, or lower respiratory uh, infection as a result of it. Um, many of these people are, are going to have lingering respiratory issues for quite some time afterwards, even if they, you know, survive the, the process. So the challenging there is we don't even know even the downstream consequences of what could happen next in terms of, um, you know, it's very possible that you could get it again. And especially with this particular virus, they've already started tracking, you know, its, um, you know, um, evolution, so to speak. It's, it's changing its shape. It's changing, you know, how... Um, uh, it responds to the human body, and then it passes on to somebody else. And so, you know, there's really great graphics out there that demonstrate, you know, that change. And that's one of the hardest reasons right now that um, there's not really clear evidence yet that the antibody testing is going to really help us the way we need it, we think it might. Yeah. Um, and once we get that antibody testing for sure, then we can help, you know, kind of track the spread easier, know when people ha- have it or haven't had it. Um, and, and take more appropriate measures on, on the self-care side of, for, on an individual basis. Yeah, that's really interesting. I actually have an individual who I was training who contracted the COVID, and she's got through it about three weeks ago, and she's still having respiratory problems, just slowly trying to get back into slightly exerting herself. So it's pretty yeah. amazing the impact it has on the cardiovascular system. Well, yeah, I mean, and that's that kind of speaks to then those underlying risks where I fit in for, with a lot of people as a primary care physician. You know, what we do over here at Rebel Med Northwest with my team of physicians, acupuncturists, uh, Chinese medicine experts is, you know, we are always focused on the individual, the, the holistic part of their health. And, uh, you know, that's what the whole point of having a primary care physician is about, is they know who you are. They know that you're susceptible to asthma, that your allergies are going to get ramped up that you they're tracking your hypertension, your your blood sugar, your regular labs. And so you know, the idea is is your primary care physician will help guide you in in you know finding where your risk factors are on a, on a personal individual basis. Um, that doesn't mean that you know you, you will have a good outcome necessarily if you contract the the coronavirus, but um, you know at least you have the best odds going forward. And you know with that comes the the mental health component. So that's one area where a lot of our practices here are really geared towards informing people, um, making sure that they feel well-educated about what it is and isn't, um, really kind of wading through a lot of the fad or misinformation that's out there. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, you know, that is a, is a, a challenge in this day and age with social media and um, there's everybody's racing to try to find the, the, the most correct information. And unfortunately, you know, many people might be wrong in that process. We can't necessarily fault them, but because they're trying, but it's important to not, you know, create noise in the process of the individuals that are really trying to find the accurate data out there. So what we've settled upon here at Rebel Med is, you know, making sure our patients' underlying other issues are really taken care of utmost. Yeah. So if they already had underlying trauma, underlying anxiety, depression, mental health challenges, um, a lot of times we have got patients that, uh, you know, have cleared and, you know, have, have really come up with new ways of, of managing like their eating disorders or their coping mechanisms, um, their anxieties and traumas, um, using either mind body medicine or their acupuncture practices. And, uh, unfortunately, you know, when you're isolated and you can't socialize with other people, a lot of these same issues could be re-triggered and re-brought up again. Yeah. So we find it most important right now to help support our patients on the mental health side of things. So we, you know, we do telemedicine visits um, to help kind of reach out to everybody and say, hey, we're here to listen. We're here to help you. We're here to answer questions. Um, you know, when people are 
are not able to go to the doctor or they have a fear of going to the hospital because um, they don't want to go to the ER, you know, I think the value of an office like ours is we can help kind of mitigate some of those those early signs of pain, right? Like, oh, I was out exercising because now I hold this more time in the world, but now I've got low back pain and I want to keep exercising. Now I'm just stuck in home with low back pain. And so, you know, these are those challenges that we hope to kind of address. And we work with several other businesses in the area, a lot of physical therapists uh, in the Ballard, Fremont area, uh, refer people over to like IRG and um, um, the Emerald City Physical Therapy and Pilates businesses, um, things like that, that, um, you know, really help get people moving and both on the mental health, blood sugar, cardiovascular system, all these things we're talking about. Yeah, definitely. Benefit. That's interesting. Let's go into what is mind-body medicine. I know it's probably a little bit different than going to like your regular MD, your regular traditional doctor. So how is, like kind of define what yeah. mind-body medicine is for people? Well, I mean, it can be a lot of different practices. So, um, you know, one of the most important things is when you're you're starting a mind-body medicine practice, whatever it is, it's about being in tune with your body and being aware of what your body's doing. And uh, so that's really the first step in really any mind-body medicine mind-body practice. So I might remind people that many activities from sewing and knitting and exercising can be very mindful activities, you know, when you're being present to the activity. So, you know, even working with you as a trainer, you know, I think that's kind of one of those key present things to pay attention to is there's certain things you need to be aware of your body and how you're holding your body when you're, you're lifting or you're, you're trying to support your health. And, um, same goes with breathing practices or, um, you know, yoga practices. Um, I teach a lot of different things through uh, the use of biofeedback, which is a um, really an ob- objective and data-driven way to observe what your body's doing when it's stressed, anxious, or when it's relaxed. Yeah. So I help promote that concept of awareness for somebody. So that awareness could be that, oh, when I'm thinking about something stressful like work or the coronavirus, you know, my hands get sweaty. Um, or my temperature drops in my fingertips, or maybe my breathing gets more rapid and more in the chest rather than down into the diaphragm. So I use those sensors to help promote that further awareness for people, and they see it on the computer screen, and that's the data-driven part. And then they can apply a skill that I might teach them, mindfulness, breathing, self-hypnosis, progressive muscle relaxation. Yeah, that's, that's super awesome. I actually had an experience with you. Uh, I did a biofeedback session when I came in. I was having... Uh, almost like heart chest pains and mentally I felt fine, but in some way I must've been stressed out and I practice yoga and I do meditation and mindfulness uh, practices, but doing the biofeedback, which I was kind of like, I don't know if this is really going to be anything actually made it go away. Actually being able to uh, connect uh, the body's response with my breath all of a sudden dissolved that pain that was originating in my mind um, and be able to kind of calm my nervous system. So it was super effective, and I was really surprised. It was great. Well, and that's the great thing about it is it's sustainable. It's you, you actually did it, right? The biofeedback was there to well, – the biofeedback wasn't doing anything to your body, but you were able to see how your heart rate was behaving based off of how you were breathing just at rest. And if you made a few subtle tweaks to your, your uh, posture, how you were using your breath, you subsequently could have an, a direct effect on your heart rate which then you, you observe the difference in the moment, both visually and what you feel in your body. And it's the same as exercising, right? When a trainer tells you to say, okay, 
you know, try to shift your pelvis a little bit, you know, uh, widen your stance a little bit, you know, you're less likely to feel discomfort or you're able to get a stronger lift or, you know, the benefits out of that. Yeah, exactly. So tell me a little bit more again, how you guys are shifting your practice as uh, they're starting to lessen the restrictions on people, social distancing and starting to return to work. How are you guys gearing up for that? Well, you know, as a medical practice, we practice normal, you know, uh, preventative hygiene anyway. So, you know, before and after visits, we wipe down all the rooms and the tables and surfaces with, you know, effective antiviral agents that are effective against, you know, prior pandemics like the H1N1 and yeah. um, the uh, SARS and HIV, Hep B, Hep C, all these different, you know, viral agents out there. So that's a part of normal medical practice anyway. Um, that we, we wash our hands, of course, you know, it's always great to, when you go to a doctor's office and they wash your hands, you know, um, and so, but in addition to that, um, we've made sure that, you know, I walk through the entire office to make sure that we have optimal opportunities for our clients that enter our facility, that, uh, that they then have opportunity to, to practice those good hygiene, public health practices. So we've installed, uh, four, um, foaming hand disinfectant stations, um, I've put in three UV light uh, HEPA filters that help circulate the air, and then the UV light helps kill mold, viruses, bacteria. Um, we've, uh, you know, create warning signs at the front door. We have pre-screening questionnaires before we have patients. And then ultimately we've shifted really, you know, at this, at this current time, most of our patients to telemedicine when we can, just be, to help minimize the risk and help support the stay-at-home orders as mandated by the governor. Um, you know, that, what that's done is it's, you know, we've collectively as a business dropped down to about 10 to 20% of what we were doing before, but it's also allowed those individuals that do need to come in, you know, to have that peace of mind that, you know, uh, there's low volume of people here. You know, my front desk is, is working remotely. Um, patients go from their car straight up the stairs, wash their hands upon entry, uh, wear a mask, and then, you know, go straight to their exam room. Um, and so the benefit of that is then, you know, there's, there's low potential for risk. And, um, you know, we, we totally appreciate the, the safety precautions and we're here to support that as well. So, you know, we've modified a few things to help support that. And, um, down the road, um, I'm, uh, waiting for my, what's called an electrostatic disinfectant sprayer, um, which creates nano particles of this disinfectant, which allows us to get much more surface area for, for, uh, cleaning between rooms, you know, should we have a, you know, someone even that comes in for allergies, you know, we'll, we'll probably wipe the room down and spray the room down and let it sit for a little bit just to maximize again, that, that potential. Yeah. I remember you showed me a video of how that thing works and it's pretty incredible how it will wrap around, uh, objects almost like a 360 degree, uh, radius. So it's, it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, look forward to you getting that. Uh, so a lot of people are sitting home, probably worried and curious. What are the things they can do to help their health or help their mental health, physical or mental, in combating this, preparing themselves for it, or recovering from it? Well, um, one of the most important things is you know organizing your health information. So you know if you haven't established care with a primary care physician you know, you can do that now through telemedicine even. You don't actually have to go to a physical doctor's office. Um, they've re- many insurance companies and the CMS has relaxed the rules to help in- people initiate care with a provider remotely. 
so the benefit there is you can at least start the conversation with someone that can make sure that they can look at your health information and, and give you your your best individual assessment. Um, aside from that, you know the the normal daily self care activities are really utmost importance right now. Um, I think this is reminding people, like we talked about a little bit ago, about that introspection or the ability to check in with yourself and see what you really need or be present with your body. And uh, when when that's given that opportunity, you'll realize, hey, I do need to go outside and exercise, you know, or I do need to maybe back off of the amount of sugar or other types of preservatives or, you know, um, processed foods that I maybe am consuming because those create an inflammatory risk and uh, reactive oxygen species risk in your body that subsequently when you become ill, if you become ill, um, usually your symptoms could be more, more, more aggravated because of that underlying component. Um, the component that, uh, you know, might make more mucus, you know, if you have certain types of foods or, um, which is then harder to clear. So, you know, my number one advice is, you know, build that routine in place. This is a better time than ever to, to build a routine. So getting good proper sleep, good exercise, um, you know, good nutrition, um, and going through that process is, is the, the foundations of health that we took, so to speak, in naturopathic medicine. Yeah, that's great. That's super important. So what are some of the things other we should focus on as we re-enter society for health and well-being. So people are limited at home with these self-care practices, for example, like mental health care practices. Sure. So that's where, you know, I think I'm definitely seeing a challenge with a lot of my patients right now. Um, you know, uh, the, the isolation component, to be able to share even their normal stressors and anxieties. So, I mean, one of the biggest things is that I think is helping people is, you know, whatever level of communication you can get. I think if it means you, you hop on zoom and you talk to somebody, you know, you know, even if you get really close to the camera, you know, at least you can see their facial expressions and, you know, from a neurobiologic level, that's one of the most important things to help your mental health is when you're interacting with somebody and you can see their, that eye contact, you can see the expression they make, it feeds back to your own nervous system to help calm and relax your nervous, your own nervous system. Um, that's, that's key, you know? So when you are able to have that face-to-face communication interaction, go for it. You know, it's, it's doing more than you realize when it comes to helping calm your, your mental health. Um, the other is, you know, um, really trying to practice exercises that help you with some of these concepts of like maybe thought stopping. You know, if you find yourself ruminating over and over and over again about finances, um, your job, you know, it's not that you're ignoring that those are present issues in your life, but um, they're taking up a lot of space in your mind in that moment, which, you know, feeds to this concept of, you know, paralysis or being frozen in your body. Then you're, you have a lack of motivation to do other things like exercise. So exercise can be one of those great things because it gets you up and moving. It gets your circulation going, um, the circulation benefits to the mind, you know, um, and the mental health. So other than, you know, learning some of these self-care practices, mindfulness practices, reaching out to people, um, and really being mindful about the overconsumption of certain substances, marijuana, alcohol, other drugs, because um, it's very easy to slide into those because you feel well, you, you feel calmer in those scenarios. But, you know, coming out of it, they can sometimes create more damage than, than, than benefit. It's not uncommon that I have people, you know, send themselves into uh, anxiety because of some of those substances, um, because they, there is a withdrawal effect that takes place. 
That totally makes sense. What are you personally doing for your own mental and physical? Well, one of the most important things right I get to do right now is spend time with my family. So, That's great, yeah. um, you know, I have a five-year-old, a two-year-old, and my wife, who is an acupuncturist here at this office. So that's allowed us to, despite the the challenges of being isolated in a home with a five year old and a two year old, and the how and how they destroy the house, um, it's been pretty entertaining to to spend that time with them. Um, at the same time, you know, trying to be there to support them because um, my son, who was in preschool and his preschool got closed down, this is the first kind of like dive into having a social life and a world with friends. Um, and he's hopefully starting kindergarten in the fall, and you know. For him, seeing that anxiety that gets generated from not being able to to be able to, um, you know, see his friends and play outside as much, you know, that's that's a big challenge. So, I'm, I've made a point to go outside with him, and we started um, teaching him how to hit the ball with baseball. So, um, and he's great. Like he only did one <laughs> one season of t-ball, you know, and he was totally half-assing it out there. Uh, you know, just kind of walking from base to base. Cool. And now he's got the concept now that I can actually pitch the ball to him and he'll swing and he'll hit and he'll hit it, you know, and it's just like, that's totally fun. That's cool. Silver linings that you may have not got yeah, exactly. because of all this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so kind of just kind of going into the future, what is your own prediction of the positives that will come from our society experiencing this, especially in the kind of physical mind, body medicine world? Well, I think one of the most important things that I've seen is um, maybe not everybody's figured this out yet, but um, at least in the Ballard community and in Seattle, I think um, in these local neighborhoods, I think people are really banding together to support each other. And I think when you see that, you see it in the small stuff where people are being more patient with situations, right? They're not getting as irritated or irritable if someone's running behind or slow, right? They're having to wait in line to go to Trader Joe's or they're having to you know, um, they're outside of their norm a little bit. And I think you see a lot more people saying thank you and being patient and being mindful of that. Um, uh, when you walk down the street, someone says hello to you, right? Yeah. It's an important concept yeah. um, because we're, we're being asked to, to stay six feet away from each other, you know, and we've got masks on, so we can't necessarily see each other's face very well. But um I think saying hello to people is really key. And so th- this is, I think, allowing people to, like we've talked about, when they've given themselves the space to be reflective and what's what's their priorities, what's their needs. And I think, you know, while you might see a, a major contraction in the economies, um, I think you're going to hopefully see um, a resurgence of small business and supporting those type of things. And uh, I think in doing so, we'll hopefully create a stronger economy out of it so more people feel ec- equitable share of the economy. Yeah, I think a lot of old systems are dissolving. And yeah, the strengthening of community and personal relationships and then supporting each other. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, I'm excited to see kind of where the future is down the road. Mm-hmm. It's very exciting. Is there any advice for everyone listening at home that you would like to also share a little bit more on? Well, um, you know, aside from the foundations of health, you know, um, I think definitely supporting small businesses is kind of key right now um, with whatever way you can, you know. So, um, you know, it's the restaurants, it's the other people out there that maybe if, if your business itself or your individual circumstance or perspective um, is doing okay, it doesn't mean that someone else is doing okay. Um, I think, you know, from what I've seen with my patient base, um, you know, on the communities out there of, of uh, 
you know, um, social economic class structure issues, racial disparities. You know, I think those are those areas where we, we got to band together again and support those communities. That's really great. Anything else you'd like to share? I don't think so. Think per- perfect. How do individuals get uh, best in contact with you? Well, so that's pretty easy. Um, you know, we have our website, rebelmednw.com. Um, pretty much everything we have, Instagram is rebelmednw. Um, those are the easiest places to reach out to us. You know, our website allows people to schedule online uh, right away doing telemedicine. Um, we've got various chat interfaces with that, very receptive office. Um, you know, one of the things I take pride in our office and my staff is that we work as a team together. So, you know, when you're coming to Rebel Med, you know, the value of seeing an integrated specialist that's like a naturopath like myself or Dr. Jessica Schuel, you know, the, uh, we, we do a little bit of everything, uh, including, you know, classic Western medicine, labs, diagnosis, referrals to other, other facilities. And, um, but you also get the Chinese medicine specialty as well. Um, you know, two of our Chinese medicines, uh, practitioners have their doctorates, uh, you know, various rotations and things like Harborview and, um, Virginia Mason and very, uh, the community centers in the area. Uh, my wife, you know, traveled through China and Nepal. And so they're understanding a lot of these, these applications of, of, of how the body, um, is, is, uh, you know, affected by something like a virus and, and the immune system and these underlying health conditions we talked about. So, you know, the value of, of reaching out to one of those providers gives you, um, you know, really the best of all worlds, so to speak here. Um, and so, you know, that's the experience that people get when they come to rural med. Um, and we, we try to display that on our website and our social media posting and, you know, really also supporting the rest of the Ballard and, you know, Seattle community. Yeah, that's great. I've been seeing Dr. and, uh, Andrew Simon for a while, and he's one of the best doctors I've ever been to. He takes sometimes an hour with me just to discuss a very simple topic, and a lot of times persuades me out of getting stuff done, which I think that is a great doctor, someone who's always trying to empower you with your own health and trying to give you tools to create that health and well-being instead of just prescribing something or pushing you on to some kind of... uh, different kind of uh, modality of uh, just to make money or something. So uh, thank you so much for being here. I super appreciate it and super appreciate you being my doctor. Yeah. Yeah. This was really great. Great. Uh, Thank you. Well, thanks, Brent. You know, it's been a pleasure getting to know you and um, again, support your business and we'll do this together. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. Now we're going to focus on setting goals and intentions around these five key areas to help you with your health and well-being. Now I want to first talk about what are goals versus intentions. Goals are specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and timely goals you set. So they are all those things. Now intentions are more broad and they can be based on feeling and maybe not so measurable. So some things may be better for setting goals and some things may be better for setting intentions. And I'll go into more of the differences through just giving you some examples with these five different key areas. The first area I want you to set goals and intentions around is your fitness. Now I want you to understand everyone who's listening is on a very wide spectrum of what you need and what you may be doing already currently. So this is kind of what Andrew Simon was pointing out, mind-body medicine, is being in tune with your needs and how your body is feeling. 
So maybe you're somebody who's already lifting weights a couple times a week. Maybe you're doing at-home yoga workouts. Maybe you're only just going on walks. The way I want you to approach this is I want you to think of what are you doing now for movement? Do you have a routine? Do you have structure? And I want you to ask yourself, is this too much? Am I starting to develop overuse injuries or is this not enough? So let's take an example. Imagine you're someone who's walking a couple times a week, maybe doing a little bit of yoga, and maybe you're doing some online classes. Ask yourself, is this enough? Do I feel good? Am I getting a good endorphin rush? Do I feel like I'm moving my body? When I relax and sit at work or on the couch watching Netflix, how do I feel in my body? Does it feel like it needs to move more? Or does it actually feel like it needs to actually move a little bit less? Am I actually starting to run down my body? Am I doing too much? And I'm trying to use exercise as a way of distraction and actually doing too much for my body. So the first most important thing is tuning into what you're currently doing and asking yourself, is there more or less I could be doing? What is it that my body's calling me to do? So a good goal, let's say, take me for example, I am lucky enough to have some weights in my garage and I've been lifting about three to four times a week. And I've been getting a little bit run down, so I decided, you know what, listening to my body, I'm going to take a little time off. I actually haven't lifted weights in about five days now. I've just taken some time to just chill out. I've been going on more walks. I've been trying to focus on doing more uh, yoga classes on aloe moves. And I've been trying to focus on uh, more mindfulness practices, such as meditations like Headspace and reading a little bit more. Now that my body's feeling a little bit better, I'm feeling that kind of energetic call to be pushing myself again back with weights and kind of taking it from there. So think about where you're at and setting those goals. Maybe you need to back off a little bit or maybe you need to amp it up and you need to be honest with yourself. Now, setting a specific goal would look like I'm going to lift three times a week at 2 p.m. and I'm going to write out my routine before I do it so it's more than likely going to happen. And I'm writing down my workout so I can track my progress. An intention would be more of during my workouts, I'm going to focus on being very mindful. I'm going to try to get daily movement five times a week. And I'm going to try to be uh, uplifted and enjoy myself during workouts. Kind of stating how you want to feel and the habits in which you want to uh, kind of express. So not so specific but more general. A good way to look at fitness, in my opinion, is having some kind of resistance training, whether it's body weight training, weights, TRXs. Uh, that is very important to keeping your muscle mass, keeping your strength, and keeping your structure strong. The second is cardiovascular training, whether it's walking up big hills, going on jogs, doing your Peloton, or getting your heart rate elevated so you're getting that good pulmonary work and endorphins. This is very essential to keeping your mind elevated, maintaining that positive outlook on everything. The third area I would focus on is mobility work or yoga. So just like an instrument, in order for the instrument to play well, you need to have it in tuned. So doing mobility work and yoga keeps you tuned. So when you go to do your workouts, you avoid any overuse injuries and you feel good and you can do the movements properly without increasing your risk for any kind of injury. Now, I think this time period is an incredible opportunity to actually dive deeper 
into your yoga practice and that will carry over into another area that has to do with mindfulness but we'll get more into that a little bit later the next area i want you to focus on setting goals and intentions around is your nutrition now this is kind of a similar approach you're going to see all across the board with all these you need to assess where you are now so the first and best way to do this is get an idea of what you're even eating to become mindful so you can do this by writing it down or using a calorie tracking app to get a general idea of how much am I eating, when am I eating, what am I eating, how much sugar, how much fat, how much carbohydrates, and how much protein, how much fiber. All those things are super important. These two areas, fitness and nutrition, are incredibly vital to keeping your immune system strong and your mental health. So I would track down everything you're doing, and then based on what you've tracked for three to five days, and just doing that alone will actually help you clean up any areas where you may be sliding into bad habits. Then I want you to ask yourself, what is one or two goals or intentions that I can set around my nutrition to begin building momentum in a positive direction? So a good goal could be, I'm going to meal prep and go to the grocery store on Wednesday and Friday at 3 p.m., and... I'm going to measure out my food and weigh it. Maybe that's a little much for you. Maybe you're better with an intention. So you're like, okay, I see that I'm not eating a lot of fruits and vegetables and I'm kind of drinking alcohol uh, four times a week. So I'm going to set my intention to drink a little bit less and increase my fruit and veggie intake. So again, it's much more broad. It's not as specific. And for each individual, goals and intentions may call to you a little bit more. So you got to be honest with yourself and see where you're at. And if you continue this practice weekly or every couple weeks, you will continue to build momentum uh, towards positive habits. And this is the way I coach people when working with people is meeting them where they are and helping them figure out what is the next step that you are willing to take to push your health and well-being forward or continue to progress towards your own goal. The third area that is extremely vital as well is your sleep. Now, maybe you've gotten a bad habit, like I was a couple weeks ago, going to bed at 2 a.m. and waking up around 10. Giving yourself a little bit structure will also be just good for your mind, but having the opportunity to actually get some extra rest now that you're not having to run to the office and traffic or run around to a bunch of appointments this is a good opportunity to really let your body recover and give yourself an opportunity to get back into a really good sleep schedule because we are going to enter into society again soon. It might be a little longer than shorter, but if you develop those habits now and prepare yourself, then you're going to set yourself up for success. So getting more than seven and a half hours every night, good sleep comes with building a good nightly routine shutting down electronics, moving your phone far away from your bed, staying away from that blue light, um, and giving yourself a good routine to kind of unwind. I personally like to go on walks before I go to bed, and then maybe I'll do kind of a nighttime yoga routine uh, with some breathing exercises. I'm not always perfect, but that's my general intention instead of setting a very specific goal. Because for me, setting super specific goals around this tends to kind of push me away from actually doing it. So again, you need to ask yourself, is setting goals or setting intentions around this going to work best for me? And they can change week to week. Could be a good idea to write these things down or share them with friends. Maybe you have an accountability group. 
or you have someone you can share these with online. Uh, accountability is huge with all these things as well. Whether it's having a trainer, doing virtual classes so somebody is requiring you or knowing if you're going to show up, or having a group of friends that you can kind of talk and discuss these things. And it's so powerful to do that because you'll be able to share ideas and be like, oh, I didn't really think about that. And share the struggle because when you know other people are struggling with it, you realize, okay, I don't need to be so hard on myself. I can, I, I'm trying my best and I'm going to continue to try to improve upon this. The fourth area is community. And you heard Dr. Andrew Simon talk about this a little bit, how the nervous system is so impacted by seeing another human being. We are very, very social creatures. And it is very important that you create that contact. And just because we have to be at home doesn't mean we can't reach out. So maybe make a list of all the different people that you haven't talked to or are talking to and maybe set a goal around reaching out to one or two of them to have a conversation. Maybe write some handwritten letters to people you haven't spoke to in a while or just your friend just to do it for fun to build that connection. Trying to get on Zoom trying to get on any kind of uh, FaceTime application so you can continue to make that uh, connection every day because that is so vital to your health and well-being. And this is important when we come out of this pandemic to continue to cultivate community. You know, where in my life can I cultivate better community for myself? Can I connect deeper with my friends? Can I reach out to people who I've kind of lost touch with? Or can I reach out to new people that I've never uh, talked with, but wanted to talk with. Use this opportunity to connect more and start thinking about when I do come out of this, how do I want to design my life to have community around me? And if there, the way your life was before we went into this, there wasn't a lot of community. This is a great time to restructure everything. And that is a great thing about this whole pandemic. It is a breaks on your life, on your habits, and allows you Restrictions, yes, on things that you were progressing in goals on. Maybe it was work, maybe it was projects, but it does give you this great opportunity to lean into creating better structure around habits for your health, well-being, and those habits are going to best help you achieve whatever your goals long-term. So then when you do return, and we all will return to a normal life, Will it be better than when it was when you left it? Now, the very last area I want you to focus on setting goals and intentions around is mindfulness. Now, this I was talking about this a little bit with yoga. I was going to bring it back into this area. Yoga, to me, is a mindfulness practice above all else. It is an opportunity to slow down your breathing and focus your mind on your breathing directing it away from your thoughts and developing the ability to become more present and be attuned with how your body, your mind, and your emotions are in that moment. Now, there's so many other incredible benefits to uh, yoga, such as the breath control, how it controls the nervous system, how it can stimulates the diaphragmic and the vagus nerve, and how it really can transform your life if you dive deep into a good yoga practice. So I highly recommend looking into finding good courses. I really like Alo Moves. Uh, a very good friend of mine uh, gave me her login and I've been doing it and it's 
great because it gives you series by series, step by step, how to kind of build a practice and gives you understanding of fundamental movements and positions and postures. And then after each four or five episodes, you go into an actual practice. They also have a lot of really interesting, cool breathing techniques. And if you don't want to pay for a service, there are so many yogis right now, um, uh, like the rest movement on Instagram, who are offering great courses and classes to dive into this mindfulness practice. So you don't need much to do yoga. You just need a mat. Even that, you don't need anything. You can just do it on your carpet. And you can dive into kind of creating a mindfulness practice and helping relieve stress, learn to control your breath, and tune into your body. And as a side effect, you will have better mobility, which when you return to the gym, that will allow you to squat better, deadlift better, pull up better, overhead press better, all the good things that we want to do when we get back to barbell training. Another great mindfulness practice that I truly enjoy that uh, has benefited me quite a bit is going on walks without my phone and focusing on deep breathing in and out through the nose, no matter how high my heart rate gets. So this is a good way to be mindful. And you know, what, what, so what is mindfulness? It is just being aware of the present moment and there is no failing at this. It is just attempting to continually bring your attention back to the present moment. I had a Buddhist nun one time describe to me, think of it like a golden retriever that you're training. Little puppy golden retriever. This little puppy, you tell them to come to you. You have them sit. They get distracted after five seconds and they run away. You don't yell at the puppy. You don't get mad at the puppy. You don't hit the puppy. You just gently guide the puppy back to the same spot you tell it to sit and then it sits and it may take hundreds of hundreds of times before that puppy sits for even 10 seconds but eventually the puppy will learn and it will learn to hold and sit in that spot for 30 seconds and eventually five minutes and that is what mindfulness training does is it trains the mind to hold connection and concentration for longer periods of time and this empowers you to stay out of anxious thoughts or depressing thoughts or worry. So using walking is a great way to not only calm the mind because the rhythmic motion actually helps connect the two hemispheres of the brain and calms the nervous system, but using that opportunity to just be aware of the houses and the nature, noticing how everything around you, because spring is coming, is changing. The smell in the air the movement, the feeling of the ground underneath you, and uh, just enjoying the present moment. Because the present moment is going to change, and we will be onward with all this. So those are the five areas I want you to set goals and intentions around. We have fitness, nutrition, sleep, community, and mindfulness. So please take the time right now to write down those five areas. Write down as much as you can about those areas, possible goals, possible intentions for what you're going to do this coming week and the coming next week. And see if you can get in a habit of writing down a goal or intention for each of these areas each week on a certain day to start to create a habit. This will carry over as we come out of this pandemic. And that will really empower you to continually build better health and better well-being so that you can have vitality for life. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. I really appreciate it. 
please make sure you subscribe and share this episode with anybody who you think would find value in listening. Have a wonderful week, and I'll see you soon.